founder of an organization called Shout Your Abortion. And it's a, it's a new movement that's out that's, that's pushing, uh, which encourages women to brag about having an abortion. The right to life community has, 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 you know, has made a lot of progress in the last 20 or 30 years as we see polls and things uh, headed in the right direction. But we see this as kind of a, an answer back to that. When we think about the, the callousness of uh, having a, an abortion because it's inconvenient. You know, life is inconvenient for uh, society today sometimes. And here's, let me read a little more of this article and what she said. She, uh, she was hyped to see that these brave women sharing abortion stories today in, in Slate today, which is an is a online magazine. Things are changing in an undeniable, irreversible way. On a related note, I'm wrapping up your abortion. Bono wrote she became unraveled in September 2015 when she heard that the House of Representatives had voted to defund Planned Parenthood. Who's standing up for the clinic workers, she said, and for women who have abortions, she recalled asking herself. I opened Facebook and without thinking wrote, like a year ago I had an abortion at a Planned Parenthood and I remember this experience with nearly inexpressible level of gratitude. I hit the post 153 years or 153 words later, and everything changed. This is becoming normal in our in our society, where we want to advertise that the killing of babies is okay. That life is important unless it's inconvenient for you. And so, as we see the parallels between what we see in society today and what Ezekiel is going by dealing with, we can uh, be rest assured that that God has a plan for us to help fix. This society. Let's read uh, Ezekiel 33. We're going to start with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. And I, I love that. The word of the Lord. It wasn't like, hey, me and Mark were speaking. Hey, I talked to Mark this morning before I got here. I talked to Jim this morning before I got here. It's the word of the Lord came to me. It's very gravitas. Not that the Bible needs any gravitas, but it's, it's kind of, I, I love that phrasing there because. You can see that over and over again in Ezekiel where he talks about the word of the Lord came to me. He's talking about the power. And what did Jesus say he was? Uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was life. That's Jesus, the word, right? So it's interesting to see that the, the scripture that, that Ezekiel held this is very valuable. And we should have the same type of attitude. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land make a man from among them and make them or make him their watchman. And if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning, his blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken uh, warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes away any one of them, that person is taken away and is in iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. Verse 7. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, a wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak warn to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from, from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity. 
but you will have delivered your soul. This morning we need to we need to bring the good news of good news of good news of Jesus Christ to this fallen world. This world it needs the gospel message. We are called to be watchmen. This church, Oakland Woods Baptist Church, is called to be a watchman in our community. Not only our community, basically in our region. And understand when we talk about the congregation, the church, this isn't about Pastor Steve and Pastor Ken going out in the community representing Oakland Woods Baptist Church and telling people about Jesus. We have that responsibility and we try to do that as much as we possibly can. But that means us. Because the church, as we send the church out into the community, it's not about the building. This is the church, a group of believers gathered together. That's the church. This building, if this building, if the tornado came last night and wiped out this building, it's a beautiful facility God's blessed us with. If he wiped it out, we'd be in the parking lot of Tim Hortons right now, and I'd be doing a sermon from the top of my throat. You know, sit in your car, drink your coffee, meet your donuts, and then they have a good time. But it would not stop this church. Because the church isn't about the building, it's about the people. Amen. We are the watchmen for this community. I'm not saying this morning, and I'm not going to, like some people do, say that the church is Israel in the Old Testament. That's not what I'm saying this morning. Ezekiel's given, we're going to see later on, Ezekiel's given a direct command to go out and warn the people. And we're going to follow that command because that's very similar to what we have, what Christ gave us as a great commission. See, we need to bring the good news of Jesus to a fallen world. Quite a few years ago, well, I would say, when I was a teenager, that's much bit better, right? That's quite a few years ago. <laughs> um, my dad loves hunting and fishing, and he, he taught us boys as we were growing up to hunt and fish, and we'd hunt and fish with him. And when he went rifle hunting with him, we'd go up to Hillman, uh, Michigan. There's a swamp up in Hillman that's uh, state land that we've my grandpa started going to in the 20s, and we've had a Tyson up here hunting almost every year ever since. Sometimes we get deer, sometimes we don't. We go in this nasty old swamp, we go back in there as far as we can and figure we'll get away from everybody. So if everybody runs around the woods, they chase all the deer into the swamp, and we do pretty good. <laughs> this particular trip, my dad was pretty adamant, here's how you deer hunt in the Tyson household. We get up before dawn, and we're out to our sites before it's daylight. We sit there in our sites all day. Until it's dark again, then you're allowed to leave your spot. Um, and you cook over sternal little can of eeny weenies or whatever you have to cook. As a teenager, that's like imprisonment. Cruel and unusual punishment, right? So for three days straight, I sat there, you know, ready at any minute in case a deer came by. In those three days, whole days, from out to the spot before daylight and even after dark, I seen one ear what I think was a deer in the distance. <laughs> the fourth day, we couldn't hunt a full day because we had to get back, and uh, so my dad said, hunt until 12 o'clock, hunt until noon, and then pack up your stuff and we'll head to the car. By 11.40, I looked at my watch, and I'm like, I'm done. I didn't see nothing all morning, I'm done. I had enough of this. I take my gun out of my lap, and I set it in the tree next to me. I go down and start fiddling with my stuff, put it in my little backpack. I look up, and as I'm looking up, I'm sitting on this little stream. There's a nice sized buck about eight feet away from me, taking a drink, and he looks up, and we're looking at each other about 10 feet away from each other. And I'm thinking, I'm in the wrong spot. What am I going to do? And he's looking at me like, oh, I'm like, who is this guy? What is this? So 
And so I dive for a gun, the deer takes off, and I shoot, and I didn't have a chance. Watched three and a half days almost, but gave it up at the last second because I wasn't focused. A watchman is supposed to be alert. If we're called to be watchmen to our community, we need to be alert. And there's certain characteristics of a watchman that, that are important. Let's look at Ezekiel uh, 33, first couple of verses. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people, say to them, If I bring the sword upon the land, and the people went and take a man from among them, and make them their watchmen. But, it, but the phrasing here in the Old Testament sometimes is kind of awkward from what we would talk. But you get the gist. The sword comes in. It's not literally a sword. It's a group of people. It could be bandits. Could be an uh, invading army, it could be a lot of different things. And, and they would often in the community up on a watchtower put people to watch so they could see them coming in the distance so they could warn everybody of what's coming. We have the same responsibility for our community. We have the same responsibility to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community. We're called as a church to be the watchman. We have a vision. God has a vision for this community right now. It's a vision that people would come to know Christ. They would follow him passionately. That vision is something we are to enact. Look at the Great Commission in Matthew. A watchman is uh, given a great responsibility. We get, we've been given a responsibility to take care of this community, to warn this community of what's coming. That's a great responsibility. Let me ask you. Do you understand the magnitude? If you do not have a, a, a saving knowledge of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, do you understand when you pass away from this earth how the Bible describes hell? That it's, separating, it's a separation from God. That it's a, it's a terrible place to be if you, if you endure eternal punishment. If we understand the magnitude of what happens to people if they pass away from this life without Jesus Christ, it would impact us in a way that would say, I, we can't let that happen. We have to tell people about what's important to us. See, it's a great responsibility because you, if you're a believer here this morning, you've been blessed with eternal life through saving out of Jesus Christ. That's huge. With that huge gift comes great responsibility. We are responsible to get the word out into our community. We have to be responsible. It's a great responsibility. We need to be knowledgeable about the dangers. We talked about the dangers of not having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You realize that you cannot be fully who God designed you to be until you start that relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, not to say that it's not cool to spend eternity with Jesus. I mean, that's awesome. He saves us and changes us. But that's really what we're designed to be, to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. For our unbelieving friends and neighbors that we love and care about that don't know Jesus, they're out there golfing, they're out there doing yard work, they're out doing whatever they got to do, visiting with family. They don't know the magnitude of what, they, of what they're missing out on. See, we have knowledge. Let me, let me ask you, how many of you guys have been saved more than 20 years? Raise your hand. How about 30? How about 40? Okay, I won't say any more because you're going to start dating yourself and you're going to get a little <laughs> I did a quick calculation. If you're a regular churchgoer, you show up, uh, say, 40 to 50 times a year, maybe a couple services a week, uh, and not counting your own personal Bible study that we each do every day, every day, right? 
and uh, not counting that, but just because you come to church uh, just on a regular basis, you realize that you would get about 1,200 hours of training every decade. So if you were to labor for 20 years, that's what, 2,400, you know, do the math. That's a lot of training. It doesn't take that much training to do a lot of the crazy jobs that we all do out there. So we are equipped to do this. We have this knowledge, but if we don't use this knowledge out in the real world, if we don't let this knowledge of what we know about Jesus Christ change us on Monday morning, we come and we play the church game on Sunday, but we don't live it on Monday, what good is it? What good is it to know that Jesus Christ can save people from their sins if we're not willing to share that knowledge with others? Because we're embarrassed. Because they might say no. They might get their feelings hurt or hurt my feelings. Aww. I don't mean this in a, in a bragging way by any means. I've had the opportunity to share my faith hundreds of times. I, I've done it since I was a It's something God has equipped me to do. I like talking about Jesus. We're not all equipped that way. I get that. And I'm not an outgoing person by nature. I've had, all the times I've shared my faith, I've only had one time at me and yell obscenities at me. It was a co-worker I'd witnessed to him probably about 12 times. It was probably the 13th or 14th time. I started in on him again, just gently. We were chit-chatting about stuff, and he, and he screamed at me for about 30 seconds or so, and we just turned and went back to our work. And then the next day, I started in again on it. He <laughs> was a lot more polite than that. <laughs> but that's the worst I ever got. That ain't too bad, is it? And you won't get So if you have that knowledge, it doesn't do us any good. And it brings us to the next point. We need to have integrity. We're going to be in Ephesians. You want to flip with me to Ephesians. Uh, we'll be back there a couple times this morning. But we need to walk. If we're going to talk the talk, we need to walk the walk, is what we like to say. You know, the teens, we always challenge our teens to really live their faith out in a real way. And the cool thing about teens is they'll, they'll hear God's word, they'll look at God's word, and go, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do, and they'll go do it a lot of times. Us as adults, we go, yeah, that's pretty cool, and then how come the pastor ain't doing it? And so we got to be careful with that. But I, I want to hit these verses in, in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to hit verse 8. And I, and I apologize, we're, we're catching a paragraph in the middle. I'd love to sit and work our way through that passage, but we just don't have time this morning. But I want to highlight something. It says, for uh, verse 8, chapter 5, verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. At one time we were darkness. At one time we didn't have that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We didn't understand the magnitude of what he's done for us and can do for us. But now that we are, we're to walk in light. You know what most unbelievers say about church people? Most unbelievers' complaints about church people are they're hypocrites. You know what? In some cases, they're absolutely right. Not always. Sometimes they judge us harshly, but sometimes they're right. Are we men and women of integrity? Are we, doesn't mean we're perfect, but are we following God's word? Are we trying to apply God, that knowledge that we built up, are we trying to polish it? I've been with you guys, what, seven or eight months now? Pastor Steve preaches the word of God. Every classroom in here teaches the word of God. You guys have been equipped. We need to use that knowledge during the week in our lives. It needs to change who we are. It literally has to change who we are. If you're a brain surgeon and you never do brain surgery, 
What good are you? If you're a believer and you don't live out what you've been taught or you are unwilling to share your faith,
as you look at our past, and as you think about being a watchman, it's important to warn people and warn people of the impending doom of danger that is coming. You know, sometimes they react in ways that you don't expect, but it is important. You know, a watchman uh, needs to sound the alert. We need to, you know, we need to be alert, but we need to understand what's going on in our society, but we need to sound the alert. Let's look at verses 3 through 6 in Ezekiel 33. And indeed, the watchman uh, sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet that warns the people. And if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. If he heard the sound of the trumpet, did not take warning, his blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes away any one of them, that person is taken away as an iniquity. But his blood are required at the watchman's hand. Notice, sounds of the alarm. There's an urgency to the message. When a watchman sounds the alarm in, in Ezekiel's time, that meant danger was coming. I mean, life and death danger. Right now, it's coming. We need to warn the community, let's go. And notice, and I think this is a huge impact for us, notice who the community is. It isn't, this passage doesn't say, hey, Watchmen, Ezekiel, warn the righteous about the impending doom. No, it's warn the community. So this, this message isn't a warn each other. Let's talk and look at our community and go, man, they're really doing bad stuff. Hey, you know, I should really know about Jesus. No, we're the warn the community. We don't care who they are. We're not to be judges of the community. I hope you don't look out on our society and go, you know what? They are a bunch of sinners, and they are not doing what God wants them to do. So... That's not the way we look at it. We should look at it with compassion. They're lost. They don't understand the value of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. There should be an urgency to our message. Because it's, it's danger for them. People are walking around without a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and putting their lives literally in their own hands. They're hoping that nothing will happen to them today. Or if something does happen to them, We need to understand the impact of the community. We want to change the community. We want the community to be more godlike. We want the community to have values that, that are more biblical than what they are, seem like they're heading out. Here's the key. Let's get out there and tell them and show them. Show them in our own lives and help them come to saving knowledge. That will change our community faster than any kind of government program or anything else that we can come up with. You want to change your community for the better? Start a revival in Clarkston. Ephesians chapter 4. Chapter 4, we start in uh, verse 17. Now, thus I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Verse 19, this first part of it. They have become calloused. You know, we look, we have to be careful. I, I watch news, I read history, I'm passionate about it. We have to be careful that we don't become the judges. That we look out there and we judge. It's, they don't understand the life-saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They, they haven't been exposed to it, maybe, in the, in the proper form. 
You know, our job is to deliver the message, not save people. That's the job of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. We're just messengers. Deliver the message. They're dark and, and they don't understand the benefits of this relationship. We should have compassion. When we look out that thing and we see sin and we see things that are going on, we struggle a lot of times with the same thing. So who are we to judge? We should look out there and have compassion. The lady, the Samaria, that I talked about the, the beginning of the sermon, it should break your heart that she has this type of attitude. It should break your heart in the sense that we should be praying that she comes to save the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That somebody will love on her and be patient with her to help her understand that her relationship with Jesus Christ is important. Not all these other causes that are meaningless in the big scheme of things. It's compassion in Sounds the, sounds the alert, wants the community of danger, understands the impact of the community. We need to understand, it's a life, it's freedom or slavery. You're a slave to sin or free in Christ. There's no tweeners. Well, I'm kind of free of sin, but I'm not really going to accept Christ. No, either you're a slave to sin or you're free in Christ. That's the way it works. Let's free people. Let's help them find their freedom by sharing our faith. Living our lives in a way that draws people to Christ. Ms. Cotton uh, uh, taught second grade in elementary school. And her class was fascinated. She came in one day after a weekend and she had some nice new earrings on. And she'd never had earrings before. And they were all asking her questions about her newly pierced ears. Questions like, uh, does the hole go all the way through? <laughs> Did it hurt? Oh, it hurt a little. Did they stick a needle through your ear? No, they use like a special gun to make it real quiet then. After a few seconds, one of the boys in the back of the room said, how far away were they? <laughs> Message must be acted upon. We've got to have the boldness and passion to share our faith. Let's look at verse 7 in Ezekiel as we finish up the passage here. So you saw a man, talking about Ezekiel here, I've made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. I've made you a watchman for Israel. Jesus. You came to save the knowledge of Jesus Christ and you got a part of this great community, this church here. You made us watch men and women in this community. To share our faith. To share God's word. You should give them warning for me. If I say to the wicked, a wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die as iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Notice the, the magnitude of what God is telling Ezekiel here, you need to warn Israel. When I tell you to warn Israel about something, you need to warn them, otherwise I'm going to put that responsibility back on your shoulders. Because <coughs> you didn't tell them. We have a responsibility to share our faith out in this community. God has, has given me a 
year after time, you've given us so many gifts. You blow us away with what you've done in your life, or what you've done for us in our lives. We ask you would uh, give us an opportunity this week to share our faith. Give us an opportunity to look for ways that we can help those that are hurting. That we can live a, a walk that is glorifying to you. Continue to bless us as a church. Not the building, but us as individuals. And help us to capture that vision that you have for this region. That you want everyone to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Help us to go out with boldness and uh, have fun doing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.